Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. Brought to you by Clarence. Ali, I am excited to talk to you for a couple of reasons. One, your brow game is goals. Um, I'm just obsessed. Everybody, if nothing else, go check out Allie's page just so you can check out her stunning, stunning brows. And now, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, I've interviewed so many people in the wellness space, um, but I've never had like a reformed wellness blogger turned investigative journalist and comedian um, who is now known in the space as the princess of taboo. I mean, I, you're like the most multifaceted rock and roll former wellness girl that's like still kind of all about wellness, but in her own way. Like you are, you are, it's like going to a buffet. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to eat today, but like I know there's <laughs> going to be all kinds of different genres of food and I'm going to fill my plate and I'm going to leave satisfied. Love to hear it. I describe myself to my therapist as the wheel of fortune regularly. I am so many colors and so many things that could possibly happen just waiting to combust at any minute. Um, And it's impossible for me to choose between any of them. Um, I think that the through line between all of these strange paths that I've decided to go down, though, is that really it just boils down to like humans looking for something more than what they've been given or to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. People get into wellness because they want to be better, right? Or because they want to be the best version of themselves or because they're discontented with their life in some way. That's exactly why comedians get into doing comedy. That's exactly why journalists want to find out the facts. You know, we're all, we're all just like searching for the meaning of life in these different ways. And I find it very amusing that people are so like categorical with how we look at like these different career paths but ultimately i think that they're all just different iterations of of the same like ultimate goal so i definitely don't deny that i'm a strange one and i I don't think you're gonna meet anybody else who who was a wellness blogger and then was like i i basically need to be rehabbed from my time in wellness um but i do think that if we all just kind of took a step back and looked at it we'd realize like we're all just we're all just looking for a home yeah. And sometimes that home changes and sometimes that home yes. feels confusing and unknown and like scary. And sometimes it's cozy and it's like, that's cool. Yes. It's a big <laughs> part of life. Um, you, before you were rehabbed from the wellness world, like, what made you want to dive into the wellness world to begin with? Because like you said, everyone's always searching for something. So what was that initial desire, curiosity that got you into the wellness space to begin with? 
Great question. I don't think anyone's like actually asked me that in all the podcasts that I've been on. They're just like, tell me about masturbating with crystals. And I'm like, we could talk about that, but don't you want to know why I masturbated with the crystal? Um, so like so many people, I, I don't know if you can hear that siren outside. Unfortunately, I'm in New York and not quaint Canada. So I'm sorry if there's just people getting taken to the hospital. I live on King Street um, and there's always ambulances and fire trucks and the occasional person that's screaming at the top of their lungs. I feel like between... Um, New York and Toronto, there's going to be a lot of sirens. So just welcome on in, friends. Amazing. As long as everybody knows that the ambulance is not coming for me for (laughs) once, that's all I want them to know. So the reason I got into wellness is because like so many other people, I um, suffered from depression for the overwhelming majority of my life and undiagnosed ADD, anxiety. And I've been in therapy for a really long time. But I think as with my career paths, I've always been somebody who's like very difficult to classify. I didn't have a lot of the traditional symptoms of ADD that most kids do. I wasn't like leaping out of my chair and like speaking when the teacher was talking and just like behaving in an unhinged fashion. It was more like I just couldn't get my brain to calm down enough to like actually do homework or think in a linear fashion. Um, But I've always been really good at like talking, hence why it was like the one thing that I could make a career out of. Um, And I think because of that, you know, a a lot of the times like people didn't take me seriously when I asked for help. And then on top of that, I had a lot of physical health issues food allergy. I was super lethargic. Um, I just, I feel like the the whole mind-body connection for me was just like effed for a lot of years. And, you know, I, I remember around the time that like wellness was starting to become trendy and popular on Instagram. I was like, well, I feel as though every traditional pathway has failed me and nobody is taking me seriously. So if no one wants to heal my sorry ass, then like I'm going to heal myself. And that started in kind of the same way that most people get into it being gluten-free and dairy-free, baking paleo cookies, going to bar classes, drinking green juice. And just the further I got into that world, the more far out these practices that I was like participating in got um, until I kind of realized that like I was living in an alternate reality. Yes, you're tying your hair up. Now we look exactly alike Gotta go everybody on. listening. <laughs> We're literally twins. Um, so yeah, I, it was really just a matter of kind of feeling as though like I, I wasn't finding the answers I was looking for here. And so irrationally, I went searching for answers, um, you know, in a space where like everybody is searching, including the people who think that, or or the people who tell you that they are the ones who have the answers. So you basically went on like a wild eat, pray, love journey um, in the wellness space, which can be so toxic um, as well. And not always backed by scientific research never back by scientific research and like you started simple ish paleo keto dairy free gluten free and then you just went like wildly in the other direction and went so extreme with some of like your practices that you did like what were some of the more extreme ones that a you're surprised you did and b you were a bit shocked by the outcome 
Well, I think what was interesting about my time in the wellness space is that I always approached it from this very comedic angle. Like even before I identified as somebody who's professionally funny, I mean, people listening to this could be like, this girl is not funny and totally cringe, but lots of people think I'm funny. I've made a living off of it. Um, But I I always approached the wellness stuff um, kind of with this like self-deprecating and like raunchy attitude. So like, you know, I'd post a picture of me like eating a veggie burger, but I would like make a joke about like, you know, it exploding in my mouth. Um, and so I think that with that, I, there was always this balance for me of wanting to try these practices that might actually make me feel better, but also doing it for entertainment value since I had this following on Instagram. Um, so I was like going to sound bath meditations and smoking essential oils out of vapes that kind of like resemble the jewels that we all smoke now, but I wasn't jeweling. I was, you know, literally like smoking lavender thinking that it was going to make me feel better. Um, I got my vagina steamed, but not in the traditional stand over a pot way. I went to like a really bougie clinic that was opened by an ex housewife and had (laughs) led lights put on my vagina and like a powerful machine operated steam. Um, I've done more than my fair share of hallucinogenics. As mentioned earlier, I masturbated with crystals. Um, that sounds so painful. I, Side note, like to be note to everybody at home, if you're going to do it, make sure there's not like sharp edges because like you got to take care of your cookie friends. Cause that sounds, you like- do. I hate to break it to you, Chloe. Honestly, it was the best sex toy I've ever used in my what? life. Um, It's a whole line of like dildos essentially, but you can't even call them dildos because they don't look like penises. They're just like long and and like shaved down. Like they're very smooth and kind of glossy. And you're supposed to pick the type like of crystal, I guess I know nothing about crystals that coordinates with whatever kind of energy void you're looking to fill. And the shape of it coupled with the fact that it was so heavy and that you warm it to your body temperature before using it, it, it was like one of the best orgasms I've ever had in my entire life. So I know that, that for you. sounds like something reserved for people at like an institution. Um, but I actually did it in the comfort of my bed in my parents' home. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it was great. I actually highly recommend. <laughs> Love that journey for you. I'm really happy that was a highlight. I thought that was yeah. going to be a horrible one. It was not, not a pit. It was a peak, hands down. I mean, so you're on this journey, you're trying all the things, you're making people laugh and you're entertaining them along the way. But at like the core, your goal was to feel better, like to help with ADD and depression and anxiety. Like, did you ever reach that point where you felt this stuff was helping? Or is that when you realize like, okay, maybe the world of wellness is not as wholesome as I thought? It depends. I mean, on a quick fix basis, for sure some things made me feel better but in retrospect it wasn't that any of these expensive or far out practices were better than the others it was just like i'm going to yoga and meditating oh my god that's my dog who just broke into my room hello Remy, are you gonna sit and behave sorry about that she just opened the door on her own <laughs> can you give me one michael yeah i'm doing an interview right now can we get her out of here Remy, Remy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't worry. That's what editing's for. Or we leave Remy in. I mean, I think she's cute. Or he's cute. I don't know. She's an amazing Bernadette, but she has absolutely no respect, um, which is why I love her. But also the the lack of, you know, social cues. 
<laughs> it's a work in progress. I feel like she should um, be in the podcast because, you know, she, she her moment. She will time. bark. She's beautiful and she'll be really good for video. But she if she's not the center of attention, she barks very loudly. And that that might mess up your quality of audio. <laughs> Fair, fair. Maybe for a bonus episode, once the uh, the listeners get used to me and are like, we're so sick of her voice, we'd rather hear her dog bark. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, uh, you know, I look back on it and it's like the things that made me feel better were meditating. You know, I felt better for a couple hours after I meditated or I'd have an orgasm or I would, you know, take a supplement that, you know, claimed to be completely dependent on um, adaptogenic mushrooms, but was like jacked up with like caffeine and all sorts of shit. I think that the problem in the wellness space that most wellness people don't like to talk about is that you never feel satisfied. You do something that's going to be good for you or something that kind of sets you on the path that you want to be on. But then there's always more. You can always be skinnier. You could always be taking more supplements. You can always be, you know, running for longer. You could always be cutting more people that you deem toxic out of your life, microdosing mushrooms more often, drinking less alcohol. I think that there is a very fine line between self-improvement and like self-obsession. I think wellness is fundamentally very narcissistic. And I think that the industry runs on telling consumers that, you know, it, it tells you that there is such a thing as perfect. And by buying certain products, you'll be able to get there. But nothing you do is ever enough in the process. And I think that it just kind of got to the point where I had been participating in this strange world for so many years. And I still didn't really feel any better than I felt before I got into it. In fact, I probably felt worse because I had spent so much money and so many resources. Um, and I also just realized like, I don't want to have a green juice cookbook. I don't want to be giving people wellness advice when I myself am going out until four in the morning and drinking heavily and making terrible decisions. Like why anyone's listening to me is just beyond me. Um, and I, I, I kind of had this, like I call it a white girl spiritual awakening where I was like <gasps> one morning, like what am I doing in the wellness space? Like I, you know, I, I need to find my true purpose. And that took me a while after that. I rebranded a couple of times, but the kind of moral of the story is like finding a sense of purpose and finding something that really got me out of bed in the morning was so much more effective at combating my depression than any sort of wellness practice that I partook in and easier said than done. But it's interesting because, you know, you can be depressed, but purposeful at the same time. And if you feel purposeful, it gives you that something bigger than yourself that I find we look for in wellness or in entertainment or any of the various paths that we choose to follow. Oh, Allie, getting deep, getting deep. You, you gotta look inwards. You gotta find the passion and the purpose. And so now, yes. feeling passionate, feeling purposeful. Like, what are those things that light you up and get you out of bed, especially on days where maybe your depression's like knocking at the door and being like, "Hello, I'm here. Listen to me." But instead, maybe your purpose yeah. and your passion is getting you out of bed. Um, yeah, no, that depression knocks on the door every morning. It's what wakes me up alongside my roaring hunger because I'm one of those people that wakes up at 7 a.m. and is like, I need to eat an entire buffet on the topic of buffets. Um, but, you know, my background is in performance. It's in theater. And what I always liked about the theater is how community oriented it was versus um, a lot of my friends who I studied with who have gone on to be screen actors. Um, but for me, like, I've never felt like anything, if I don't have an audience, I need that immediate audience response, not just to laugh at me and, you know, shower me in praise, but also to be 
sharing the same experience that I'm sharing. That's why people go to the theater. That's why people choose to go to the movies instead of streaming on Netflix or why people go to watch stand-up comedy, you know, or why people such as yourself love communicating and interviewing and being on red carpets and learning about the world. Um, we all feel really alone. I think that's that's a given of the human experience. And so for me, you know, the only way that I could feel not alone was to be around people. But being around them wasn't enough. I was desperately in search of people who had, you know, experienced kind of the same struggles that I had, but perhaps the struggles that we don't really like to talk about because we think that they're going to make us look stupid. Um, so the more that I started talking to strangers and using my podcast platform to tell other people's stories and not just my own, um, the better I felt about all my so-called dysfunctions because I realized like everybody else is in the same boat that I am. Like everybody hates themselves a lot of the time. Just we're not talking about it because because the wellness world tells us not to be negative. It's like po positive vibes only. Like when people go positive vibes only, I'm like, this is not a space I want to be in. Like not to say I'm I'm encouraging negative vibes only, but like honest vibes only, I feel like is yeah. a good middle ground. And, you know, the whole thing about like positivity, like no bad vibes, I think it's just unrealistic. So I know I'm a big, you know, chit chatter, but I think at the end of the day, like what made me feel better about myself and my life was just trying to find as many universal commonalities as possible between me and the people who contribute to my podcast with their anonymous confessions and the people who listen to my show and the opportunities that I have to go on other people's shows like yours. Yeah. What makes you feel purposeful? Let's take a little break from that gal pal chat to talk about Chloe's Clarence pick of the week. Ooh, ooh. Okay. If you're listening to this and summer is starting to poke its cute little head around the corner, you're probably like me and wanting to get a little bit of a tan after a very long, cold, dark winter. But I will say that as much as I love spending time in the sun, I also am very wary and concerned about the damaging rays of Mr. Sunshine. And so... Sunscreen, of course, is now my best friend, but as well, self-tanners have really made their way into my life. And I've always been pretty nervous about using self-tanners, especially on my face. My body, I'm a little bit more forgiving, but I've always been nervous about using a self-tanning lotion that is you know, marketed for your body and for your face. So I've been testing out Clarins um, self-tanning milky lotion. And I was really intrigued with this because on it, it says it's for face and body. And I was like, you know what? I've been testing out a lot of Clarins products lately. Let's try this one. First thing I notice is it really does feel, look, and smell like a lotion. It absorbs really quickly. The smell is not atrocious. I don't know about you, but most self-tanners smell horrible. This one smells great. It's got fig tree in it. Um, so it smells very fresh, very summery. And then the color is not orange. So I am really, really enjoying this. I love to um, hydrate after a shower anyways. So now I've got a two for one special. I'm hydrating and I'm getting my glow on and it doesn't look ridiculous and it doesn't smell bad. So Clarence, we see you. We appreciate you. I'm going to go tan myself and you guys can go back to listening to the episode. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. And like, I'm cool with that. I'm literally in a phase in my life where I'm saying yes to the universe. 
and I'm trying to be a nice person along the way. And I'm trying to make sure I do something every single day that makes me happy. And sometimes that's a matcha latte. And sometimes that's sex. And sometimes it's a shower. And sometimes it's pizza. So I, I don't know. I'm still just trying to figure it out. And it's so interesting because I think whenever I like talk about this, I'll have people be like, but everything looks so great. What do you mean you're confused about yourself and your life? And I'm like, friends. It's just a highlight reel. It's a highlight reel with like little doses of honesty. And then sometimes when I'm too honest, it shocks people. And so that's why I have this podcast, because then I can word vomit like I just did. No, you're not word vomiting. You're simply speaking the truth. This podcast is not positive vibes only. It's authentic vibes only. And, you know, I hate that. Like, I think that when you're somebody who works in entertainment or you have any sort of public facing career, people just assume that life is good when you have career successes, which is something that's always bothered me because like, obviously, yeah, sure. It's amazing to get a job with like a TV network or it's amazing to have Instagram followers or to be making money off a sponsorship deal or what have you. But those things don't equate to happiness. You could be the loneliest person alive as I was for so many years and be doing extremely cool shit that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do. But if you feel as though you don't have anybody to share those cool experiences with, it it doesn't really make that much of a difference. And, you know, something I've been grappling with recently is I'm in an amazing relationship for the first time in four years. Um, And before that, my relationship was like, you know, the one I had earlier was great for a lot of reasons. I learned a lot, but it wasn't the kind of relationship that really like nurtured me. It was more of growing pains. Um, And being so happy for the first time in so long has given me this sense of like contentment that I didn't have before having somebody to share your life with in that way, like having a partner. But I also am afraid of getting too dependent on that, knowing that there's so much potential to use a relationship like as a Mm band-aid. And on the topic of people celebrating career successes, when you go live as having a boyfriend or a girlfriend, people lose their shit. And they're just like, yay, like this is like the greatest accomplishment of all. Like you're not gonna die alone. And it's like, what, what message does that send to us as a society, but like, especially as women that, the thing that's going to be the celebrated the most is you having a partner. And so I guess I, I bring this up because I don't know if you're like single or married or in a relationship, but I think that like, I don't, it's ridiculous that we use these like tent poles, like career success or a relationship or marriage or a baby to like assume that people are happy because as, as much as you could feel like emotionally connected to some of those things, if you still feel internally empty, it, none of it matters. No, it's so crazy that you say that. So also I'm a sucker for love. So happy you're happy. Um, That's that's awesome. We recently got engaged, my partner and I, and I'll like, whatever I posted on Instagram and I literally just wrote, so this happened. No, like emotional heartfelt caption. And it blew up. And like you said, like everyone's so over the moon, happy. And, and it's so weird hearing you say, like, it's such a strange thing to be celebrated for that. Cause it's like, well, I didn't really like, do anything. And like, I think we were pretty cool before the engagement, but like, thank you. Like right. I'll take it, but like nothing really changed. I just get to wear a pretty ring all the time, but it's like so odd the things that people yes. celebrate for us. But like, if we're not celebrating internally, the external celebration validation doesn't really go too far. 
No, and it's like I also think that this celebration is what makes people like rush into engagements and rush into marriages and make such a big stink out of their wedding. And every time I have a friend who gets married, I always ask them afterwards. I'm like, how do you feel now? You know, it's everything feel completely different. Do you feel like you've ascended to like the maximum level of the video game? And they're like, no, fundamentally, like what feels good about this is that like I just no longer feel like I'm going to die alone. And that goes back to like what I was saying earlier about why we choose the things that we choose like wellness or comedy or or communicating for a living it's like everybody i feel like the universal goal of life is is to not die alone and that's you know i I think it's totally valid but i think that the only thing that can really remedy that in a in a legitimate way is being comfortable enough with yourself and the life that you create for yourself that even if you are single or even if your relationship doesn't work out or your job doesn't last forever, that you have something to fall back on. And now that I say that, I think that was another thing that was so important for me is like, before I met my boyfriend, I had finally reached a point where I just cultivated this little safety net of things that made me feel good about myself that made me feel confident you know i was like if nothing else if my career doesn't go the way that i want it to go if i don't find the kind of person i want to be with for so long like if nothing else i am a great hang and like i think that i'm really interesting and fun and i was like cool like i've got that so even if nothing else happens for me like i think i'm really fun and interesting and it sounds really stupid but it's like even just just having that little morsel of self-confidence to hang on to makes it so much easier to deal with the rejections that happen all around us. Yeah. And in your industry and in our industry, the rejections happen all the time. You knock on the doors and a lot of times they're open. And because you're such a good hang, by the way, even if let's say you're not in a romantic relationship when you're like old and wrinkly and still really cute, you'll be in like an old folks home and you'll be like the life of the party with all the all, all the little old gals. Doing you know? stand-up. So like, you're My stand-up fine. comedy career. Yeah. My stand-up comedy career is literally only going to take off when I'm in the nursing home. I think about this constantly. I'm like, it's like painters who don't get famous when they're alive. They paint and they paint. No one wants their painting. Then they die and they become like extremely iconic. I was like, I'm going to work my whole life to have some sort of like legitimate comedy career. And it's only going to take off when I'm like 80 and performing for the demented people who are living in the home with me. But I've come to terms with that, Chloe. Like I'm okay with it now. And it makes me feel better about my life. Like, I don't know if I want to cry laugh or hug you or all of the above i'm not sure but like i'm cool i'm here with it i'm here for it um you said something earlier that i love and as a kid you know we're talked we're told about like stranger danger but literally like in the bio of your instagram says talk to strangers or i talk to strangers something like that which i love because i think we live in a world like where everyone's so self-obsessed or so focused on their own world that they never really reach out or like talk to people they don't know and i kind of love that you're out there celebrating talking to strangers whether it's like on your podcast or on the street like have you always been like that and why do you think it's important I think to a certain degree, I have always been like that. A lot of it came from being misunderstood in all of those ways that I was explaining. But like, especially when I was in high school and I felt a lot more mature than other kids in my grade because I developed physically so quickly and just kind of became this little like mini adult 
far beyond anyone around me did. Um, I started clubbing really early and I got really into going into these spaces that were inhabited by like adults with real lives and real careers. And I was like cosplaying being an adult in the freaking club. But like, it was so, it was this really fun experience. And I was like, oh my God, like I can reinvent myself. Like I have to go to high school and like be a high schooler. But then on nights and weekends, I can go to the club and no one knows anything about me. And in a way I had more in common with these strangers than I did with the people that I went to school with and they were more accepting of me. So I think it started there. Um, but I also think that I, you know, just growing up in New York City, you think that you're like the most worldly person on planet Earth, but you're actually stuck in such a bubble. And um, I, I just like kind of learned quickly that the world is so much bigger than like we think it is. And the only hope that we have for any sort of like unity in humanity is to try to understand each other. And so that's just like what I try to do. I don't have to be best friends with every person who talks into my microphone on the street or like comes onto my podcast, but anybody who gives me their time and their trust and is like willing to share a tidbit of, of their life with me, I don't take that lightly. Like it's a huge honor. And I just, if, if no one else wants to step outside of their comfort zone and risk the rejection, I just feel like I've had so much rejection in my life and career that like I can be the spokeswoman for everyone and go out and try to get this information to like make the, the world feel like a little bit less large and a little less scary. But I can't say my parents have always been crazy about my love of strangers. I think it's scared the shit out of them most of the time. I know you just like turned 29. So I feel like they're probably really stoked that you have hit 29. Like that's a big milestone for someone who terrified them. I'm sure many, many times growing up speaking to too many strangers at too young of an age. And now you get to do it like as your yes. job though. Like now you get to talk to strangers yeah. on your podcast, Tales of Taboo. I'm obsessed with taboo subjects. I talk about them all the time on this podcast. Um, I think the world is like too filtered and too safe. So I think we got to be taboo sometimes. What do you love most? I mean, I'm, I love podcasting because I love connecting with people and just shine a little spotlight on them. Um, but what do you love most about this? And you're kind of doing the podcast space really different because anonymity is really important to you. Yes. So I've created a format that is unlike anything else I've seen in the podcasting space where my listeners become my audience. And each episode, with the exception of like the occasional solo episode or interview that I do, overwhelmingly, the episodes are composed of anonymous confessions from people who have lived a certain life experience that I cast for on Instagram. Um, and I think just the most rewarding thing is, is realizing that like all of the trials and tribulations that I had throughout my life with feeling like a huge misfit, getting in trouble, bombing school, having these mental health issues, having these physical health issues, kind of trying and failing so many times has made me be able to relate to so many different types of people. Um, even though my background is, is, you know, niche, not everybody comes from downtown New York City. And I have a lot of privileges that, you know, I, th I think about all the time. But those aside, having experienced um, harder aspects of life has, has made me have something to connect with people on. And I think that that's why they trust me. And all of the time I cast for podcast episodes and I think to myself, okay, this is going to be the episode that nobody responds to. There's no way that people are going to feel comfortable opening up to me about this. And that has never happened. So I've done podcast episodes about drug dealers, drug addicts, nightclub bottle waitresses, prostitutes, people who have worked for really wealthy people, people who are like deep in the rave scene. I mean, you name it, we've done it. The troubled teen industry, which I explored after I saw Paris Hilton's documentary. And I, I think that's what's rewarding for me. And I'm sure you feel this way too, that 
when people trust you, and especially people who don't know you, trust you to come and talk to you about their intimate life, it, it gives you this sense of validation that's not like, I'm amazing. It's more the validation of the things that you've experienced that have been unpleasant happen to you for a reason, because now it allows you to connect with people in a really meaningful way. Yeah. And then you can talk to them and say, I see you. And they're like, oh, she means that. Like she actually yeah. sees me. Maybe like for the first time you can be your unfiltered self. And I love that it's anonymous. Like, I think that's, I don't know. Like I, I, when I was checking it out, I was like, this is really cool. Cause you're creating the safest of spaces for people to really just let it out and know that if they want to tell people about it, amazing. But if they literally don't want to tell a soul, they don't have to. Is especially there in contrast? Oops, oh, no, go for it. I was just going to say, in, especially in contrast to how oversaturated the, uh, the land of social media is now. I think there's this expectation that pics or it didn't happen. If you don't share it, it's not relevant. But I love secrets because a lot of the time secrets aren't, you know, nasty. Secrets are just things that, you know, people feel pressure to share, but they, but they don't feel like it's, it's the right thing to do. And um, giving people a space within all the muck of the social media noise to, to say whatever they want to say and not have it have any like real consequences on their life is a, a very cool, unique thing. Now, is there a topic that felt potentially taboo? Like you clearly are very open, but was there one that you've done where you were like, oh, I don't know if this is maybe pushing the boundaries too much or... Every week, <laughs> every week that I do, that I do a podcast, I'm like, ah, you know, somebody could go and look at my episode log and they can see that all of the things I've chosen to talk about in my solo episodes are not topics that people always talk about in the public space. And, you know, I, I went up against Barstool Sports, the media company, because of an experience that I had there a couple of years ago that I sat on privately for a very long time. And it finally got to the point where I was like, you know what, I know I'm going to get trolled horribly on the internet for this. But if me standing up makes another person who's experienced any sort of like workplace harassment feel better or, or any sort of harassment as a woman in a male dominated space feel better, then like I said, my whole life has been a series of rejections. I'm here for it. Um, and, you know, even with the topics that I choose to talk about on my podcast, I think there's a very, uh, with the anonymous confessions, I mean, th there's a very fine line between um, being taboo and being distasteful. Mm -hmm. And I see all the topics I do as being very important to talk about, but not everyone is going to see it that way. I'm sure a lot of people think that the stuff I choose to talk about is distasteful, but the, uh, the moral that I try to get at in all of my episodes is that the people who have had the most um, unconventional life experiences are the people who are best equipped to give life advice. It's not the wellness people. You know, it's not the people who try to tell you that they have a perfect life and that everything is fine and dandy if you do yoga and drink your greens every day. It's the people who have gotten beaten down by life and have learned how to survive and then thrive afterwards that are the ones who are really equipped to help people find happiness and a sense of purpose. So I live my life in fear of taking it too far, but I can't stop taking it too far. And that's the push and pull that just makes up my entire no, brand. Just, just never stop. Please never stop. Cause I think it's so important. Um, I was checking out your, you've two episodes focused on abortion. And I think it's so important what you're doing. I really, really do. Um, you know, giving people safe space is one thing, but then letting your audience know that like, they're not alone is so, so powerful and also really needed because we are living in 
wild times. Um, so I appreciate what you're talking about and how vulnerable you get on your own podcast. I think it's really, really important. Um, and then just kind of like full circle moment, this chat of ours, you know, we started talking about wellness, your initial journey, why you got into it. You are a reformed wellness blogger. Now, how do you feel about the wellness space and what's your relationship like with wellness? I treat certain elements of wellness as like something that I have to do, but I, I don't see it as a lifestyle. I think there's this whole idea that wellness is a lifestyle and I'm like, that's bullshit. Wellness is a choice and wellness is a series of decisions that you have to make. Um, so I pick and choose what works for me, but I no longer feel the pressure to adopt each and every aspect of wellness in order to be a healthy person. I also don't think it's healthy to be healthy all the time, which I know is something that you feel really strongly about as well. I think that the healthiest people are people who have balance and balancing is not doing tree pose, you know? Um, and so the best advice that I could give is just to listen to your own intuition and your own inner voice and not like what some insane guru is telling you you need to do or an influencer on Instagram because no one knows you like you. Yeah. And like sometimes tequila shots are really fun. And sometimes eating too much pizza is exactly what you need to feel good in that moment. Sometimes so. hating yourself is really fun too. Sometimes not having any positive vibes is really fun. Uh, I also <laughs> hate toxic positivity. I think it's the biggest load of bull crap. But uh, anyways, to end on a positive note, because that's what we do here. <laughs> Ali, you're amazing. Um, I'm sorry you've been through so many rejections in your life, but it's, it's formed <laughs> this really, you know, funny self deprecating intelligent person that can connect with anyone and everyone. So I feel like that's a pretty awesome gift. And I'm so glad you came and hung out with us on Healthy is Hot. Thank you for having me. Thank you for seeing me. And thank you for accepting all of my shades and colors. This is obviously why you are successful and why people like you. And I think that there is a need for more open-minded, beautiful women like you. In oh, Man, I feel like I just fell in love. Okay, amazing. Thank you, thank you. I think we're about to get kicked out from Zoom, but I definitely want to keep in touch. I want to come visit New York. Okay? Yeah, yeah, so do I. And I would <laughs> love to keep this conversation going. You're amazing. So, hey, sorry see you later. Like, see so you bye. later. <laughs> bye. Well, well, well. Who else is feeling fired up and inspired after that chat? Yeah, same here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but just like that, Another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast in the books. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. And look, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a cute little comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week. Brought to you by Clarence. Yeah.